Welcome to Stacy on the Right. Filling in for Stacy Washington, here's Abraham Hamilton III. Good afternoon. Welcome to Stacy on the Right. That just for today, we have to call it Stacy on the Right with Abe on the Right, too. <laughs> well, welcome to the program. Stacy is out for the day. And I know many of you are saying, oh, I tuned in for Stacy. Have no fear. I may not be a Stacy, but we both have last names named after the president. So I think we're in the same vein. <laughs> I also have invited to join me for part of the program today, uh, the director of Urban Family Communications, uh, Will Addison, who is a, a, a powerful leader, a wonderful visionary, and most importantly, uh, just a wonderful man of God. And I wanted to take some time during this portion of the program to bring to your attention something that is happening in the country. I mean, happening here in Tupelo, Mississippi, August 17th, 16th. 17th and 18th at Hope Church, which is Urban Family Communications, is Marriage, Family, and Life Conference. And it doesn't really matter where you are in the country. You need to be here August 17th and 18th. So, Will, thank you for joining me today on the program. Uh, thanks for having me. All right. So I want to start off with just you giving the listeners a little bit of understanding of what they can expect uh, from the Urban Family, Marriage, Family, and Life Conference. Well, I think it's going to be a great time to connect uh, together. You know, um, some of the people in the Churban, they talk, they, they talk about having like a reunion. Well, we, <laughs> we never, a lot of us never met, so it would be a union, I guess. Um, and I, I think it's going to be a great time of, of fellowship, a great time of equipping. Uh, the, the topics that we're going to be talking about, uh, marriage, family, and life, are very, very important. And I, I was telling you that uh, even like seeing now where we are, even in the church, in this country, uh, how much more important it is now that I can see why God laid this on our hearts to do. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not a big conference person, a person that, you know, just want to have events, but I really felt like the Lord was leading us to do this. And so I think it's going to be a great time of equipping. We're going to have all of the radio hosts, the, the Urban Family hosts there. We're going to have uh, Pastor Bert Harper, who's on, uh, he's, he's on Urban too, but he's on AFR uh, Talk. And uh, we're going to have Dexter Sanders, you know, all the people that you hear each day, plus Ryan Baumberger and Dr. Uh, Clarence Schuler talking about these issues. Uh, we're going to have some panel discussions. We're going to have key, the, the, uh, keynote speakers. So I'm expecting a great time. Uh, I think it's going to be very, very uh, anointed. We've been praying about it. We're praying that God will just show up and speak and penetrate the hearts. You know, uh, if there's issues that people are coming with. We're hoping that they will leave with answers and leave different from how they came. Now, that that's pretty important. I'm going to pick up on two things. One, in case you don't know, the Cherbin is the chat forum that yes. is available via UrbanFamilyTalk.com. It's available all day long throughout all the shows where a unique feature at Urban Family Talk, it allows listeners to participate in the dialogue mm -hmm. immediately in the online digital communication. So yes. that's what Will is referring to when he's talking about uh, a union. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because there was yeah. no read to it because many of people haven't <laughs> met before. But I, I've heard from a lot of people who are looking forward to doing it. And secondarily, uh, just as you pointed out, man i think it, it's um i don't think i know mm -hmm. that god's hand was involved mm -hmm. in sh in presenting this conference now because from my vantage point and i want to get your, your response to this yeah it seems like marriage and family is being attacked yes. from all sides and i'll just yeah. a couple, give a couple points of what i'm talking about one uh today begins the revoice conference right 
in St. Louis, <laughs> uh, close to Stacy's hometown area, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they are. And, and, and I mean, we get caught up in the words, but conference literally means to confer. Mm-hmm. So you have a church, a Memorial Presbyterian Church in St. Louis, which is a member of the Presbyterian Church in America denomination, which is historically uh, the more conservative uh, or dare I say biblically faithful branch of the Presbyterian Church, yet they are opening, not they, this particular church and Pastor Greg Johnson is opening the doors of his church to host this conference that is giving space for the quote-unquote gay Christian Mm -hmm. narrative. That's happening on one front, and the Revoice Conference is just one of many iterations of the same thing all of a sudden that's happening then you have two many people are signaling within the southern baptist convention the election of jd greer uh with the sbc waving the white flag on the so-called culture wars Mm. Uh, there was an article put out by james merritt who is the son of a former president of the southern Mm. baptist convention Mm -hmm. saying that jd greer's election means that there there were no more Culture wars, which I'll say this for myself, I find the reference to this so-called culture war to be derisive and intentionally demeaning because it minimizes the import of things that are clearly scriptural. Mm -hmm. Killing babies in the womb is not just a mere political culture war. Mm -hmm. Uh, Violating God's standards for human sexuality is not merely a cultural war phenomenon. This is Bible in practice. But describing that way is, in my opinion, dismissive, derisive, and marginalizing of the import of it. And then these are things that are happening in the church world. Then we see in the political sphere um, <laughs> the walkaway movement. Yeah, that yeah. many conservatives were willing to jump on immediately to celebrate. Which I'm I'm not poo pooing it in total, but I'm 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 I take the biblical approach of wait and see, mm-hmm. as opposed to you know the scripture says lay hands on no man suddenly. That's concerning uh, leadership, but also co-signing movements where you have this walkaway movement started by a homosexual cosmetologist from New York who admits. That he cried when Hillary Clinton lost the 2016 presidential election. So that immediately puts me in the mind set to ask, well, how long does it take to develop conservative understanding? Mm -hmm. And my concern is that we'll witness within the political sphere what's happened in places like New York. I mean, sorry, in Florida, where you have many people who who are New Yorkers. They grow up. They retire. That that liberal bastion that is uh, New York City and New York. New York City primarily, mm-hmm. and these people moved to Florida. Yeah. Uh, did they just abandon their political ide- ideology <laughs> along with the cold weather? No, they brought it with them, right. which resulted in a purpleization. That's not a word, but I'll use it for the purpose <laughs> of this conversation of Florida. My concern is that that is what's going to happen amongst conservative political circles, that it won't become more conservative with all of the walkaway uh, mm-hmm. proponents, it would liberalize conservatism. And I'm not saying automatically it will happen, but my concern is that it could happen yeah. if we're not careful in looking at that. So we see all of these forces yeah. politically, and of course, not to min- not to forget, at least it's not lost on me, Peter Thiel, Thiel speaking at the 2016 mm-hmm. Republican National Convention, who is himself a billionaire who supports Republican candidates, but he is an open homosexual yeah and he announced that the republican party is no longer fighting these culture wars so you see (laughs) these things happening and what i see is a coalescing of forces that will gather together Mm -hmm. to point that long accusatory finger at the church and to re re uh 
present the church as a modern day Bull Connors. Yeah. yeah. So when I see all of that, mm-hmm. and then standing up like a voice crying out in the wilderness, right. I see Urban Family Talk mm-hmm. with this Marriage and Family Conference. Yeah. Do you think I I, I I am overselling it? Am I hypersensitive to the moment, or do you think I'm hitting it spot on? No, spot on. And I think this is our time. Like we have to stand for truth. We can't be ones that would get off of the wall, you know, Mm. at this time. We have to cry aloud. We have to spare not. And I think this conference that we're having here in Tupelo, Mississippi at at Hope Church Mm -hmm. is just an indication of uh, people who are willing to come and say, we still stand for truth. Look, you you talk about some conservative things and things. That's why it's, it's, it's so important to have Christian Mm. In front of that conservative, mm, come on, because bro. because the thing is, you know, we are Jesus over everything, mm. you know, and so that informs, you know, our political mindset and everything else that we we do, and so. I'm looking for Christians to come out to say we believe in biblical marriage, mm. you know, that will want to talk about that, that believe in you know the sanctity of life, and, and we're going to have these discussions. We're going to talk about what's going on, that mm. that revoice thing, and what's happening within the church. But we're going to come from a biblical perspective, just like you hear us on Urban Family. We talk about these issues, but from a biblical perspective, because the we have to have a fidelity to the Word of God. Mm. You know, that's one of the things that's missing right now. People are just kind of going in their own ways. They're trying to, you know, their mindset, what they think about uh, uh, what's supposed to happen, and not leaning back on the Word of God. And so I think this is a signal, you know, from uh, Urban Family and AFA that we stand for truth and mm. we stand for biblical truth, and that's what's going to be displayed. Now, those are forces that are that are occurring from the outside. Uh, but I also know, and I'm aware, and, and people listen to this program, y'all know what I'm about to say is absolutely true, that there is a war against marriages. Yes. And I I am absolutely confident that it is demonically inspired. Yes. But I think some of the some of the practical components that contribute mm. to the difficulty to have when having marriage, I mean let's just be let's be real. I mean family, we don't cut corners. Mm-hmm. Um let's just be real. In some segments of the society, seventy seven percent of the children are being born into fatherless homes. Yeah. Other segments it's fifty yeah. percent. Other segments thirty percent. Well the national average is right at about fifty percent of the children being born today they are born into fatherless homes which has a residual impact on not only boys but girls as well because it robs girls from an understanding of what does it look like to have a man in the home Mm -hmm. what should i expect in terms of a godly man of a of a godly father figure of a head of household conversely Mm -hmm. or i say correspondingly young boys are robbed of what does it look like to have a man in the home young boys are far more uh, willing to abandon their families because all they know is fatherless homes Mm -hmm. and have you know this 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 uh, stereotypical strong matriarchal figure, mm-hmm. but have no concept for what it looks like to have a man in a home. And and right. and, and I've said I say this all the time. We we can talk public policy. We can even talk about ecclesiastical functioning, but we won't be able to out church or out public policy a deficiency in wow. the families. Yeah. So it, understanding that the fundamental rubric of families is marriage. Why do you think it's important <laughs> for among the conference? delineations and the title for the conference that marriage is the first topic that's listed well i believe first of all because it was the first institution that god you know uh, implemented 
you know, even beyond the church, before the church. And I think it's, it, it also captures the heart of God. You know, we find in marriage representation of Christ in the church, mm-hmm. you know. And so when that's uh, marred, when that's uh, taken apart, made into something that it's not, man, that's, that's, that's bad, you know. And we need to stand for what the Bible says about marriage. And like you said, like, man, the, the stats are there, you know. Uh, babies being born into into uh, single parent home, fatherless homes. You know that there's a lot of dysfunction and brokenness, and and man, that I, it starts there. If we want to see our communities change, we want to see our country change. We have to start with the marriage and the families. You know, and we have to get back to the biblical way of doing marriage, not the standard of the world. See, that's one of the things that I feel like the ball has been dropped, even within the church. You know, because we've uh, loosen, you know, what it means to, to be married. You know, we've loosened, uh, uh, you know, what it takes to be to, to get a divorce. And it, it, mm. it's like a no fault divorce type thing now. And, you know, we won't stand on what scripture says. You know, we, we, we put in loopholes so people can get out. You know, I don't feel like it anymore. So I don't want to be married anymore. That stuff is not biblical. We've shied away, you know, from uh, having uh, uh, the biblical conversations about how marriage is supposed to be. And we are suffering for it even within the church. And so I think it's important that if we're going to talk about all these different things happening outside of the church as far as relationships and marriage and stuff like that that are not godly, well, we have to have our marriages within the church Mm. solid, you know, so that we can speak effectively on those issues. Man, you're absolutely right. I've said, and and, uh, this is before I was ever on the radio, I was preaching in the church, and I said that the cobblestone road to same-sex marriage was paved by the church's uh, refusal to address and adhere to God's standard for marriage in a heterosexual context. Yeah. Including fornication, adultery, and the whole gamut. Because the Lord plants his church in the earth as the voice of of moral clarity and when that voice is compromised Mm. then should it try to raise its head the world says oh how can you tell me what god says about marriage uh pot (laughs) meat (laughs) kettle right and it ends up having (laughs) the the effect of loosening the convicting element that the church formally held but at the same time and this is things this is something that i think people often forget is that when that standard is moved and not adhered to, it creates casualties. Mm, So now we have a phenomenon where people are far more familiar with uh, families that are not intact Mm -hmm. than they are with families that are intact. And you have, like, for example, my experience in my my class, high school growing up, that the the boys, I went to all-boy Catholic high school, the boys who had fathers in the home were the extreme minority. Mm. That was in the late 1990s. Wow. Think about what it could be today. You're listening to Abraham Hamilton III in for Stacey Washington. Lynn Ingram of Redeem Clean felt God call him to support the American Family Association. I'm a laundryman. I'm the son of a laundryman too. I love clean clothes. I love the business. I love everything about it. This project was built exclusively exclusively to support AFA and AFR. There's no strings attached. Another thing that I would like to see come out of this is that I would like to see other business people feel a calling to support ministries wherever and whatever they do to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. In addition to your regular AFA giving, Redeem Clean Laundry Detergent allows you to increase your support of AFA just by continuing to wash your family's clothes. 
for clean laundry and support of a cleaner society, it's Redeem Clean. Learn more, find options, and get Redeem Clean products at afastore.net. That's afastore.net. Hi, I'm Crawford Ritz with a Legacy Moment. I talked to a man the other day who was going through a pretty rough time. A former colleague is accusing him of things that he says are absolutely not true. And these accusations strike at the very core of our friend's character and reputation. So when I asked him how he was doing, he said, Crawford, I'm pretty calm, amazingly. I believe the Lord is protecting me. I was encouraged to hear that. As followers of Christ, there will be those times in which we will all experience attack. That's the nature of the Christian life. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the Moabites and the Ammonites were coming after Judah to attack them. And King Jehoshaphat was scared to death because he was outnumbered. Listen to verse 3, then verse 12, and then again verse 15. And Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. Now verse 12 says, Our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on thee. Then verse 15, God said, Do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Let me share with you from this text how I think we need to handle things when we're attacked. Number one, pray. Before you do anything else, drop to your knees and pray. Secondly, when we can't act, we need to wait for God to act. Wait for him to move on our behalf. Then number three, don't panic. It's God's fight. Here's what I want you to remember today. If you're being unjustly attacked, remember God has never ever lost a battle. Turn it over to him. The battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. Legacy Moment is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Global Ministries. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right. Filling in for Stacy Washington, here's Abraham Hamilton III. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right here on Urban Family Talk. Abraham Hamilton III in for Stacy. And I have in studio my esteemed guest, Will Addison, director <laughs> of Urban Family Talk and Urban Family Communications. We're talking about uh, the centrality of family. And, you know, much of the conversation, primarily because of President Trump's uh, campaign slogan about making America great again, mm-hmm. it, it, it really... It hits me like a like like an anvil. You think about those old Wiley e. Coyote cartoons when the anvil would drop on the cartoon characters. It really hits me that there's no you will not be able to make America great without making marriage mm. great. Mm. And <laughs> I, I am among the many things, man. I'm excited about the starting in worship every day with yeah. the Lowrys, their mm-hmm. amazing worship leaders, Cam, mm-hmm. an amazing brother in Christ. Uh, but I'm also looking forward to brother Heath Shuler. Uh, I say he's Clarence. Clarence Shuler. You know, he, <laughs> Heath Shuler was, was, well, he's a football player in Tennessee, but he was a campus minister in my, my, my college. Oh, really? Was. And okay. I, I always say that, but uh, Clarence Shuler, yeah. uh, who is uh, uh, really uh, a, a disciple Mm-hmm. And uh, of Gary Chapman, right. author of the book The Five Love Languages, right. and 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 many p- 
people may be familiar with that book. If you're not, the basic premise of the Five Love Languages book is that the question often is not whether or not spouses within the marital union love one another, but the question is how that is communicated. Mm -hmm. Whereas you may have, for example, a husband where his primary love language is acts of service. And, you know, he cuts the grass, you know, he's cleaning out the gutters. He mm -hmm. makes sure that the, the paint never peels on the house, makes sure all the, the, the cars are washed. And then he comes inside and the wife is like, but I wonder, do you love me? And he's like, <laughs> are you kidding me, mate? You do not see the work I do around there, mate? You don't see? And the wife is like, but I just want you to sit next to me and watch this movie. I just want you to watch this movie. And he's like. I don't watch no movie. I mean, I got work, things to do. And it's not that they don't love one another. Right. They're just communicating in different love languages. Right, right. And that manifests itself so frequently. That book has been a help for many people. Yeah. Well, Clarence Schuler will be at this conference. Yeah, yeah. And he has a lot of good things to say. Like he, he's not a, a, a you know boisterous type guy, but he's a he's a guy who has a lot of wisdom, and has you know done conferences like this you know all over. But he brings fresh material. Uh, talk with him, and he's ready, set to go. And I think what people are going to hear is going to really help them in a practical way. See, the thing about communication, man, that's a huge, huge issue within marriages. And I know uh, even especially uh, just starting out. Oh, man you always seem to miss your spouse you know when it comes to communication like I didn't mean that or you know how do we deal with that stuff how do we learn how to communicate effectively you know even some of those basics we're going to uh, talk about that because we want to strengthen marriages yeah and man and I, I just want to make this make this appeal uh, because sometimes we have this thing in the church and I think I think it's uh, detrimental to us to where we all want to present ourselves as if you know we're, we're ready made like we're, we're, mm -hmm. we're the we're the meals that are advertised on the fast food commercials, right? <laughs> I mean, how often do you see the fast food advertising when you show up, it looks like that? Right. Probably Very never. rarely. <laughs> Very neverly, right? <laughs> well, if you're in a place where you, you may be thinking, well, wait a minute, they're talking about marriage, and I'm my marriage, and they're together. Listen, come to this conference. This mm -hmm. may be a place where you will be able to find the resources, and when I say resources, I mean tangible resources, but also intangible resources mm -hmm. that will enable you to thrive in your marriage. Even if you're single, come if, on out. You may even be if married you're one day, you know, and these are there'll be some practical information given that would help, you know, if you're married, single, you know, you have a blended family, man, come on out. Everyone's invited. Everyone is invited. And that's part of the realities that we're facing today, that there are many families that are blended families. Mm -hmm. You'll be able to come and get some strategic information mm -hmm. that, that will be able to help you yeah. navigate that phenomenon, which brings me to the next part. Uh, it's kind of already set up for me, but marriage, family, mm -hmm. and life, the family component of the conference title. Yeah. You referred to it earlier. The first institution ever created by God, given the dominion mandate, it was a man and a woman with the capacity for offspring. Exactly. When when the, the first command ever uttered, uttered in scripture, it wasn't the Ten Commandments. It wasn't honor your father and mother. The first command ever offered in scripture was be fruitful. Mm-hmm. And multiply. Yes. What do you think is the significance of having family highlighted as one of the pinnacle uh, focus points for the conference? Because especially, you know, I'm thinking in, in the myself being a Christian, you know, uh, discipleship of our kids is very, very important. You know, the Bible talks about them as being like arrows that would be basically shot into the world, you know, uh, and we have to be skilled ones that would that would be able to shoot them out, you know. And so I think it's important to have a conference that would encompass the whole 
family. I just want to stop and say, if you want to register for the con- conference, yes. go to urbanfamilytalk.com. Urbanfamilytalk.com. That first little box, once you get that, click on it. It'll say conference, and then you'll get all the information you need. But we're going to have a conference within the conference that's going to be uh, hosted by your wife, mm-hmm. Maria uh, Hamilton, and you'll be there as well. Yes. And we want to you know, even have something for the children as far as apologetics and teach them some things. We want everyone to leave there equipped in some type of way. You know, a lot of times with conferences and things like that, you have to find somewhere to keep your kids and stuff like that. We wanted to try to make it that families could come. And so we wanted to minister to the whole family. And so that's uh, something that we really, uh, uh, you know, desire to do. And I think it's going to be great for the whole family. Mm, that's so good because contrary to popular belief, many times we think of our children, oh, look at little Junie B, that's so cute. <laughs> but the truth is Satan ain't waiting until they grow no. up to attack. You know, he's endeavoring to stymie them, to ensnare them at younger and younger ages. And so there is a misnomer. uh, This thing, I'll speak for myself. I knew I grew up in a a time where we had big church and children's church Mm -hmm. and children's church was where we basically played in the name of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and you didn't really get serious about the Lord until you went to big church. Well, what (laughs) we found, I mean, the statistics show that the seeds of unbelief are sown in much younger ages. Worldviews are solidified by the time the children are about 12 or 13 years old. So the question is, what have we been putting in them prior to getting to their ages? And so in this particular conference, and this is part of my my wife's passion, is to equip these younger believers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm saying that intentionally. Mm -hmm. uh, Just because they're younger and smaller doesn't make them any less believers for those Mm -hmm. who are believers. Mm-hmm. And for those who are unbelievers, that they can have the gospel presented to them. That's right. But just as we who are adults that need to earnestly contend for the faith that was once and for all entrusted to the saints, the younger believers need to be equipped with that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think we need to realize that our uh, kids, they get it. You know, a lot of times we, we kind of feel like, oh, they won't understand. Man, they get it. And they have questions. They have weighty questions that we should uh, endeavor to answer, you know, biblically. And, you know, and the thing is, we can't like we look at them. We like, oh, when, when they pray or, or something like that. Oh, that's so cute. No, no, they're praying to the Father like we are as well, mm-hmm. you know, and their prayers are being heard. And so children, you know, they're people, you know, they can understand. And we want to give them something more than just a babysitter, mm. you know, something that they can really take away uh, from this conference. Now, this all sounds phenomenal. And it also sounds like it will cost a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, you have Stacey Washington, who's going to be speaking. Mm-hmm. You have Will Addison Jr., who's going to well. be speaking. Mickey <laughs> Addison, who's going to be speaking. Clarence Schuler, who's going to be speaking. You have Brian, Ryan Baumberger from the Radiance Foundation, mm-hmm. who are going to be speaking. You have the Children's Conference, Apologetics Conference within yeah, Abraham the conference. Abraham Hamilton III, who's oh, going to be speaking. Hey, I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> Dexter Sanders. There's a bunch of people, but it's only $35. Wow. $35 for adults. Children come for free up to the age of 18. And so, man, we again, and Miki says this is, you know, the price does not reflect the quality, you know, of what's going to be given. We want to make it to where everyone will be able to come. We want to take away all excuses. Thirty five dollars is going to be Friday, that Friday, August 17th and 18th. Friday the whole day. So if you want to come, you're going to have to you have to take off. Take off. It's going to be worth it, you know. And then Saturday uh, for like half of the day. And so, yeah, $35. And you can register urbanfamilytalk.com right there on the website and, and get, just, get, get all set to come. The price was made 
to enable as many people come as possible. Yeah. We know when oftentimes you have conference conferences and things happen, you break the bank to try to get there. Mm-hmm. This is not this is something that we don't want to be cost prohibitive. This right. is the, a desire to be a blessing to those who come, not to be something that they leave there saying, Whoo boy, <laughs> man, you gotta put the light bill on the back burner because we're trying to confer. No, we wanna make it make sure that right. you are able to come successfully and and leave with not only with everything poured into you for the conference and not having to have a huge expense. And then right. the last component, marriage, family, and life. All yes. too often within the the world of Christianity, we have uh, these lofty ideals that aren't practical. Mm-hmm. Is there going to be something that will be able to be applied practically to our lives as a result of going to the conference? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, even when we talk about the life uh, issue, uh, Ryan Baumberg is going to re- really be sharing his testimony, you know, of his, you know, personal experience, you know, as far as life. He's been fighting on the front lines uh, for life for years. And uh, and I think uh, there'll be a lot of practical information on how you as a Christian can be more involved. There'll be a panel discussion that will talk all about life, you know, and what can we do as Christians? You know, your church may not be, you know, well uh, informed about this issue. Well, you can get some information at this conference, take it back to your church and say, man, we need to be on the front lines as far as defending life. You know, I I think, you know, this is going to be a very educational, but very spiritual and anointed time where we get to hear from uh, people like Pastor Joseph Parker, who you hear on our intercession, you know, Ryan Baumberg and, and other pastors that will be there to talk even about the life issue and we need to be focused you know on that as well life you know before the baby is born they're alive they're alive and after they're born we need to be concerned about that life as well Mm, amen amen now you you know uh that i am uh, a christian first and i am an independent conservative i say that uh i'm an independent conservative (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'll, leave, <laughs> I'll leave it there. Um, but what we've seen, what I've witnessed, and I, I, I'm, I'm not exclusive. This is not a unique observation. Mm-hmm. And there have been other people who made this observation. One of the things as a conservative that I find problematic and even threatening to, gov- to, to our lifestyles is this ever-expansive leviathan that is government. And from mm-hmm. my perspective, where we've seen the expansive government with passing programs like the CHIP program and and Obamacare, which is now mutated to push for Medicare for all and and the top down Washington centric approach to education and and the the approaches for social safety nets. I see all of these as governmental encroaches that have coincided with the decimation of the family. Yeah. Everywhere family has retracted, government has expanded. Wow. Wow. And and looking at it like that from a uh, macro level. What do you see going forward? Should we in America get our family issues understood and rightly addressed? What impact would that have in your estimation for a person that would have or or that would advocate for a limited and smaller federal government? I think getting our families together would, would help that cause. You know, we would begin to work together as families, you know, to to not need the government you know, to provide for us. Mm. You know, a lot of that stuff is happening because of the brokenness in families, you know, and a lot of those programs want the brokenness. Like they they reward the brokenness mm. in families, you know, and I think we get our families together where, you know, we're helping one another. You know, that was a time when that, that was commonplace, you know, families helping 
uh, extended family. You know, they didn't have to go outside, you know, to the government to, to ask for this or to, to, to get a handout or anything like that. You know, but when we have stronger families, I think the government, you know, is limited. It's, it shrinks because we don't need it, you know. And so if we can get that piece uh, together, I, I think, you know, we'll see uh, the government shrink. We'll see, you know, a lot more uh, personal responsibility, a lot more uh, creativity, you know, ingenuity to do certain things, you know, and it's just to be a healthier society. Mm, now, listen up. If you are and I know they have lots of political strategists that listen to Stacey's program. And if you want to advocate for a policy position of smaller government, we may need to make an adjustment to advocating for a re-strengthening mm-hmm. of the families and not not only in a uh policy type discussion that you know uh, we want to stop government handouts but even in in a social reformation attempt mm. you know to present pictures of family that the, the models of strong marriages and what it looks like for generational impact to have families that are strong and because yeah. and, and immediately what comes to my mind thinking about that is the is the scripture paul's writing when he says if a man doesn't care for his own household he is worse than an infidel right. having denied the faith. Wow. It seems like the Christians are uniquely positioned to present this message as well as uh, give a demonstration of what this looks like in application. Right. If we would be biblical, if we mm. would follow the scriptures, if we would be ones that would be sold out to the word of God. You know, uh, Stacy, I've heard her talk about how marriage is an indicator of success. You want, you know, success. You want to, you know, uh, uh, find yourself in a good position as you get older. Man, marriage is a great indicator to have success even later on, you know. And so I think if we get this piece right, you know, in all of our communities, you know, like you said, some of the numbers are higher than others in in, in, for the communities. But it's affecting everybody. But it's affecting everybody. If we get that together on a large scale, I think we'll see a lot of things change. Now, there's a question in the Cherubin whether or not there will there will be recordings available, DVDs at the conference. Uh, first thing, it's only $35. <laughs> so come on out. So you can get here. But, any, <laughs> but, but for those who may not be able to make it here, yeah. will there be things available after the conference? Uh, yeah, we may not want to tell them anything well, people may not want to come. We're, we're planning on some things. You know, we want to make sure some, that we capture uh, the speakers and things like that. And so we're, we're looking towards doing some things. But if you can come, I, it's nothing like being there. I, I You know, I, I really feel like, uh, the presence of God would be there in the worship. The people who are leading worship, man, they are true uh, worshipers, you know, and they desire, uh, you know, to worship the Lord with the people of God. You know, the speakers, I really believe that they're ready for this moment. And I think being there will have a different effect, you know, but we, we are working on some things. Yes, yeah, it's, it's like having a, a tremendous event. And and people will come in to talk to you about, man, it was amazing. I got to meet so-and-so, got to talk to so-and-so, and you get stuck watching YouTube clips. <laughs> I don't think you want to get stuck watching YouTube clips. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is, I don't know if I can say this, Mickey won't be mad at me, but Will the Great. Oh, man. <laughs> Will the Great Addison, thank you much for joining me on the program, oh, no on Stacey's show. And you definitely don't want to, you definitely don't want to go anywhere because when we come back on the other side of the break, 300 grand given out in church by a mayoral candidate stay close you want to hear the rest of this you're listening to stacy on the right this is uncommon moments here's former super bowl winning nfl coach tony dungy and his wife lauren sharing from their book uncommon marriage once i understood lauren's passion for adoption and the rightness of it in god's eyes 
Lauren and I agreed we could do it together. In the end, we both had peace of mind about it. Even so, we had slightly different ideas about how to proceed. My big question was, what's the best way to do this? I was more concerned about the process than Lauren was. I think she was a little frustrated with me as I tried to talk through everything. This reminded us that the Lord often brings together different types of people to complement the other. That's what makes marriages special. So just remember to treat your differences as something that God has created in each of you. Tony and Lauren Dungy, authors of Uncommon Marriage. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. Abraham Hamilton III. God put us in this world at this time to be salt and light. We don't fold because of the darkness that we're facing. This is not the first time in the world's history that it's gotten dark. God has called you and I to be his ambassadors, even in this dark moment. Tune in to the Hamilton Quarter, weekdays at 5 p.m. Central on Urban Family Talk. The AFA Journal covers critical contemporary issues that American families care about. Here's Stacy Singh. Rescue the Perishing. It is about a few ministries that work with rehabilitating individuals. I once heard somebody say, people are potential, and everyone has that hidden talent or ability that can allow them to flourish and rise above their negative circumstances. Read this story and more at afajournal.org. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. Turn on the news any time of day and stories of victimization flow. Every demographic group, every segment of society is a victim. Instead of seeing ourselves as righteous and forgiven, made right with God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we believe the noise and accept a victim's mentality. Victims cannot accomplish goals or persevere through life's trials and tribulations. The New Testament is replete with verses about who we are in Christ. Guess what? You are not a victim. You are a victorious child of God. You are a branch of the true vine and a conduit of Christ's life. Jesus calls you friend. You are justified and redeemed. You are free from condemnation and set free from the law of sin and death. You are God's workmanship, created to produce good works. You are accepted, redeemed, and you can do all things through Christ, who is our strength. I'm Stacy Washington. Find out more at StacyOnTheRight.com. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right. Filling in for Stacy Washington, here's Abraham Hamilton III. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Stacy on the Right. Abraham Hamilton III in for Stacy. Before we went to the break, I mentioned the fact that we might have a little bit of a conversation about a mayoral candidate in Chicago. Some of you are saying Chicago, who decided he would take the opportunity of the church visit. Not to uh, <laughs> hear the word of God, but distribute, but to distribute some of his own coin. I have a little audio for you on that, Devin. If you would, please play clip number one. Willie Wilson handing out $100,000 in cash Sunday morning at the New Covenant Missionary Baptist Church. Once you get the money, please go out the door. Wilson says it's part of his annual effort to help people pay their skyrocketing property taxes and not a blatant vote buying scheme. I've been giving away money for years out into the uh, community because a lot of people just don't have ideas, don't have food. 
Also speaking at the church, while Wilson was handing out the hundreds, Illinois Governor Bruce Rauner, who has donated $200,000 to Wilson's foundation. Well, as far as I know, no money of mine got handed out to anybody. We're, we're checking right now. If it did, I'm going to demand my money back. Rauner says he supports Wilson's efforts to help people pay their taxes, but says it needs to be applied for and accounted for by check. I think that the idea of handing out cash if you're a candidate for office is outrageous. It should not happen. The head of Illinois' Democratic Party calling Rauner's presence at the church a highly unethical campaign stunt. And a campaign ethics group says even if no laws were broken, it doesn't pass the smell test. So he's running for mayor. He had the candidate, he had, he had Bruce Rauner, who was our governor, give a speech. How could the average voter not perceive that sort of as a conflict of interest? The State Board of Elections says there was no violation of campaign law because Wilson was handing out his own money, not political cash. But if that money came from Wilson's charitable foundation, which he denies, that could be a violation of the state's nonprofit laws. Really? So he can give out his cash <laughs> to the church members? And it's not a violation of the election rules. <laughs> Boy, Chicago politics, I tell you, it's hilarious. Well, at the end of the service, the entire tally for the amount of money that was distributed was $300,000. Now, I just have a couple questions. Because at first, the justification was that, oh, I'm giving out this money to help these people deal with their ever skyrocketing property tax costs. Then when you heard Willie Wilson himself, he said, well, well, not. These people need food and need water. Well, which one is it? And if it's the first that the money was given out to aid people pay with paying their property taxes, were, they, were there any, um, I don't know, questions asked to see how many people actually have property tax bills before the money was given out? Mm, you know, just a thought. Were there any conversations about, um, you know, the produced bills for property taxes or was it more of a free for all? And I think you guys kind of know the answer to that question. Right. But the setup was, you know, in a lot of churches, the pastors at the end of service stand up by a door at a particular location to shake the a church, the congregants hands on their way out. Well, on this particular Sunday, at New Covenant Missionary Baptist Church on the south side of Chicago. It wasn't pastor at the door, at least wasn't pastor alone. It was Willie Wilson with the money in his hand, handing out bills, bills, bills. And no, this isn't a Destiny Child song. This is a mayoral candidate, mayoral candidate. And then another question that I have is, hmm, Willie Wilson said he's given out money before. How many times has he given out money that just so happened to coincide with his campaign for mayor? Think that's a coinky dink? I don't. I don't think it's a coinky dink. And then <laughs> on top of that, and this is the last last question I'll ask on this line. Maybe it's not the last. I don't know. How many people who receive that money, how many of them do you think will be able to distinguish Mr. Wilson's philanthropic and activity from his campaign for mayor? How many is going to be able to make that distinction? Do you think that this was, I mean, come on, man, this is plain, flat out vote buying. 
That's that's what it is. Let's just let's just call it what it is. And it appears that it's okay with the electoral campaigns. And the thing that's so amazing to me, one of the things is that it's it's a Democrat Party mantra to say we need to get money out of politics. But I bet they didn't have Willie Wilson in mind when they thought that. We need to get money out of politics. Well, Willie Wilson is giving out the money to people at the church. Thought it was pretty, pretty, pretty funny. Just pretty funny. Well, I have another story here, which is a bit of good news. Very encouraging as we come to the end of this first hour. Man, Devin, the first hour is almost over already. You can go, Devin. <laughs> it's a good story. Well, it's it's a mixed story. It's, it's tragedy that turns into triumph on the backside. Well, you have Staff Sergeant Deshaun Briggs of New York, uh, who was a part of the New York National Guard. He was killed four months ago in Iraq. And as a result of being killed in the line of duty, uh, he left to mourn his loss, a wife, Rebecca Diggs, and two young children. Well, listen to how this Long Island, New York community rallied around Mrs. Diggs and to support her in the loss of her husband. If you would, Devin, please play clip number two. We'd like to present a certificate that the mortgage is 100% paid today. The mortgage on the home of Briggs' widow and two young children no longer a worry for them. Just be able to stay in our home forever and where our memories were made and um, and I won't have to work multiple jobs and I could be there for my kids. So it's just, I'm forever grateful. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation donated money. The community contributed and a final donation today from Caliber Home Loans helped hit the goal. Without uh, men like Deshaun Briggs who step forward and are willing to serve, we wouldn't have the country that we have today. And that is a fact. It's just very comforting to know that there's people out there helping all the military families, Gold Star families, and it's just nice to know that we can stay in our home. No way to truly repay them for his ultimate sacrifice for the country, but a small way to say thank you. What a great, great story. So the scenario here is just as you heard in the audio, Rebecca Diggs, uh, not only was she left to mourn the loss of her husband, but she was uh, laden with that mortgage bill and so you have the community rally around her you have first you have an organization called the Stephen Siller Tunnel to Towers Foundation that paid a portion of the mortgage and this this foundation was named after Stephen Siller who was a firefighter who was killed on September 11 2001 when the Twin Towers were attacked and the foundation was formed for the express purpose of raising money for members of the, of the military and first responders who are injured or killed in the line of duty. So Tunnel to Towers donated funds toward the payoff of the Diggs family home, along with individual members, individual citizens in the Long Island, New York community. Regular people, mom and pop, Joes and James came to say, ma'am, listen, some of them knew the Diggs. Many of them did not know them but because this is she was a fellow american family whose husband offered his life in service of the freedoms that we enjoy in this nation they said listen we're going to rally around you and and shoulder some of the burden and the pain of you mourning the loss of your husband and to at a minimum relieve this financial obligation as much as they can and then lastly lastly you have 
the Caliber Home Loans Corporation, who stepped in and, and gave the final amount that completely paid off the Diggs family home. And, and this, man, this struck me on so many levels, and it resonated with me on so many levels. Because when I think about America, this is what I think about. Neighbors helping neighbors. Many of you know, some of you may not know, I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, but I'm reminded of the Cajun Navy in Baton Rouge when that flooding happened there, where you had regular citizens using their own boats going back and forth in the floodwaters, risking their own lives to help their neighbors. Whether they knew them or not, they were common. They were Americans. They were humans sharing and caring for one another. And this is what this is about. And then the Suffolk County executive, Steve Ballone, he made a statement that resonated with me deeply and could not be more true. He said this, quote, without men like Deshaun Briggs, who stepped forward and are willing to serve, we wouldn't have the country we have today. And that's a fact. That is 100 percent absolutely accurate. In this time where we find ourselves in, with this stark polarization to where, you know, friends and families are 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 separating from one another over political conversation. I mean, what happened to the time where we could reasonably and respectfully disagree with one another? It seems like those times are gone. You know, this is just a great reminder to say, man, listen, we are all in this together. Regardless of where you stand, we shouldn't let things like politics and other things divide us to such a place. I'm not saying don't argue for your principles, don't argue for your belief system, don't stand for them, don't defend them. But what I'm saying, do we do so at the expense of the relationships we have with one another? I mean, do, do we allow it to get to the point? What happened to the reasonable disagreement? You know, I haven't seen it like this ever in my lifetime, and I'm, I'm not as, how I say it like this, experienced on the earth as some other people. <laughs> Uh, but I, I, one of the things I enjoy is spending time with some older people, especially older Christians, uh, because I just enjoy soaking up the wisdom from them. But I've had some some older gentlemen that I talk to on a regular basis say, man, I haven't seen it this this uh, polarized, this divided since the 1960s. And that that is a startling thought when you hear it coming from someone who lived through the 1960s. But that's where we are. And I, and I feel like this story is one. Uh, it's part of the reason why I shared it, just to remind us to snap us back into reality, 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 like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We are all Americans. You know, as Martin Luther King Jr. said, we either all rise together or we perish separately as fools. I mean, that, that, that's exactly what it is. And in addition to that, I think this story highlights something that needs to be revisited, which is a healthy respect for our military servicemen and women. In our time, it has become somewhat in vogue to be dismissive toward the military or to allow the military to be used as a political football, kicked back and forth to argue certain talking points on one side or the other instead of having the, the, the presence of mind to stop and think, wait a minute, these people put their lives on the line on a regular basis for us, on a regular basis for us. So I just thought this was... A great, great story of what it means to be uh, American, what it means to uh, care for your neighbors, what it means to rally around uh, these gold star families, to rally around these military families who, uh, if the father happens to be lost, that 
the mother is not then left languishing to try to put the pieces of their lives together on their own. And these two young girls will, along with having to uh, mourn the loss of their father, they will immediately be able to reflect on the fact that even though that was a, a horrible loss and their father will never be able to be replaced, but they will be able to have the story of where their home community rallied around them to support them to where these girls won't have to now uh, move to a new place. They will have their family home where they were born, where they were raised, where they grew up for the rest of their lives. And this entire Long Island community uh, gets absolute respect and credit for doing that. So I just thought that was absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Well, I'll leave that alone for now because I have a lot more show left for you. Uh, we have multiple, multiple, multiple stories. <laughs> One thing I want to get to is uh, Senator Cory Booker. He's at it again. Did, did you know that you not only uh, could trust Cory Booker to spout the latest regressive talking points, but you can also rely on him to be your beacon for morality, going as far as using scripture to support his ridiculousness. You'll hear about that when we come back on the other side of the break. And, I, and I'll say this. I don't know if Stacy has picked up on this because I don't get to listen to her show as frequently as I'd like to because I'm often preparing for my show when I'm talking to her. Sorry, when she's on. But I don't refer to uh, secular progressives as progressives. I refer to them as regressives. As regressives. And the reason why I do that, first and foremost, I have to give credit to the originator of this thought process is Brian Fisher. I heard him say this first. And when I talked to him, I said, man, that's a perfect, perfect description. But President uh, Calvin Coolidge in a 1926 speech, he made this statement. And this is kind of a lengthy quote. And I don't know if I have enough time. Yeah, I think I have enough time to, to do it. It's a lengthy quote. But he said this, quote. The principles enshrined in our Declaration of Independence are exceedingly restful. It is often asserted that the world has made a great deal of progress since 1776, that we have had new thoughts and new experiences, which have given us a great advance over the people of that day. If all men are created equal, that is final. If they are endowed with inalienable rights, that is final. No advance, no progress can be made beyond these propositions. If anyone wishes to deny their truth, or their soundness, the only direction in which he can proceed historically is not forward, but backward. Those who wish to proceed in that direction can lay no claim to progress. End quote. I agree with Calvin Coolidge 100 percent. Those people who would try to move away from those final principles as outlined in our Declaration of Independence can lay no claim to progress. Hence, my reference to them as regressives. You want to take us away from the Declaration? You want us to take us away from God's word and his principles? You're not progressing anything. You're regressives. More on Stacey on the Right with Abe when you come back on the other side of the break. <laughs> 